0: been six weeks since we've had the joy of doing this, or six episodes rather, but we get to talk about a loss on this week's edition of Wake (laughs) Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks and what a loss it was ahead on the show. We'll discuss all the gory details of Toronto Seas 5-0 defeat to the Philadelphia Union. We'll also be joined by Kristen Knowles of Vocal Minority Podcast in just a little bit. We have some new segments we're going to debut on the show this week as well that we are very excited about. Be sure to ask questions and interact throughout the show, wherever you're watching, Facebook or otherwise. We'll try to get to as many as possible. But, uh, Jeff, Michael, how's it going this week, guys? Pretty good. Pretty good. Hurting. I, uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, outside of football, I found out <laughs> that that's Saved by the Bells coming back. So that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's a win. That's a win. Mm-hmm. We'll take, take it. Exactly. That, that is
0: actually a show that I recognize, unlike whichever the other one Hugh and Martin brought up that one time. But, um let's let's debut our first segment here right off the top we're calling this one kickoff we'll bring you what we feel is the biggest Toronto FC story in 10 minutes or less or probably more knowing us but this week it's it's a pretty easy one Toronto FC's 5-0 loss to the Philadelphia Union and what that means for the supporters shield race and and the season going forward Michael we'll start with you just your thoughts on you know a, a game that we knew was going to be big for Toronto FC but um obviously not the way we thought it was going to turn out
2: yeah, that's by far the biggest storyline, obviously, in TFC land. Um, let me preface what I'm saying by noting that TFC was missing arguably the best center back this season. They were missing arguably their best central midfielder this season in Jonathan Azorio. They were missing their two best strikers and probably two biggest goal-scoring threats in Josie Altidore and Ayo Akinola. They were missing their best winger in Pablo Piatti. Um and they were missing Eric Zavaletta. So, that being said, that has to be the worst Toronto FC performance that I've seen in a very long time. We, we noted how big that matchup was going into it. Everybody knew how big that matchup was going into it. And to go out there and lay an egg like that that's like a measuring stick game and how, how do you measure yourself after that? Where do, you, where, do, you, where, do you, where do you go from here, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'll, I'll, I'll say what Michael Bradley, I'll kind of echo what he said after the game is that they've done a really good job over these years of having these games happen few and far in between. They've done it, this, He said this stuff happens in football. these games happen um, to an extent, sure. Sure. like these games always do happen but not in that magnitude and not in that that type of environment where you know this is a supporter shield on the line. Um, and if TSC were wanting to talk about the supporter shield as much as they did, for them to go out and lay an egg in that tip of force with the shield on the line, uh, that that's disappointing. That, that's disappointing for me. And um, Let's see how they bounce back. Because let me also say that this isn't the end of the world. They have a very much legitimate shot at at, you know, contending for the supporter shield, this is a bump in the road. Um, and I really do think that they are, they are going to bounce back from this. So. Uh, Jeff, I'll pass it to you. Let's see what you have two, to say. I
1: mean, two thoughts. Look, look at how quickly the pendulum shifts. Right, five thirty-eight now has us at thirty-one percent to win the supporter shield, and oh. Philly at fifty-nine percent to win the supporter shield. If that doesn't prove that we are in a funky, bizarro world where numbers almost don't matter, sorry, sorry, Martin Bailey, because they do. Please sit down. Uh, you know, <laughs> then I don't know what else is. And then the other, the other thing I want to point out is that we did the same thing to Atlanta uh, when they won the supporter shield, right? We, uh, you know, we had, it it, it wasn't exactly the same thing because, uh, we were, we were just playing for, for ego and, and, and credibility, but, um, we absolutely torched them. And then they went on to win MLS cup and they, and to a man, they said that the, the reason that they were both so adaptable and so hungry in the playoff run was because they got their asses handed to them by Toronto in the, in the last game of the season. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, all bets are off. Like I, I could take responsibility for some of this because, you know, my wife and I were watching the game and at a certain point she was like, I'm not watching this game anymore. And then she kept, you know, coming back in from the back room and saying, did they score on us again? Did they score on us again? So karmically there's probably some fault that rests in in my house for this, for this outcome. Uh, You know, I I wasn't eating nachos. So at least there's that. Um, But yeah, no, it was, it was bad. It was bad all over. I, one one thought I had though is, isn't this a bit easier to take when we just get absolutely torched than it is to lose a close game? I mean, I'm not. I'm upset, but you know, I'm 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 not as upset, and I wonder if why that is.
2: Yeah. I wonder if this has anything to do with it. As mm-hmm. kind of points out here, as he says here, KJ was very complimentary of uh, Philly's performance. But as you mentioned, TFC was down a ton of starters. Do you think it was a really great performance by Philly or just the reality of TFC not having half of their starters available? Uh, Mitch, I want to throw that to you. Let's start with you on that one.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably a combo of both, but I really loved what Philly did in this game. I mean, they came out and they attacked Toronto FC. And that's been one of the things we've, we've kind of talked about all year with Toronto that we haven't liked is you know, they're not that ruthless. Philly was unbelievably ruthless in this game. They found out what Toronto FC's weakness was, and they just kept going there. They kept pressing Toronto FC, you know, the first 25 minutes were a masterclass of just, you know, pressing the heck out of Toronto FC, taking that game over. And then, you know, when they saw Toronto FC was struggling, they didn't, you know, let their foot off the gas. They just kept going until, you know, it could have been, it could have been more. That's the other thing about mm-hmm. this, you know, it was oh, 5-0, yeah. but... There was a lot of chances they had that they squandered as well. So 27 I shots. Really, yeah, yeah, 27
1: exactly. shots to three shots. I mean, it was it was pretty woeful. I, I don't know the stats from the, the Houston Akeche blowout, which will this will be compared to. Um game not only start. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it was that one-sided. And then there was that game that I missed on the honeymoon where I think we drew DC nil-nil, but we put like four billion shots on them or something, and we just couldn't we just couldn't capitalize. Uh, George says he blames the cursed unity kits, which is funny. Uh, maybe <laughs> just to me. Um, and then I lost my train of thought. So,
0: you guys. Well, <laughs> I think the stat that stood out for me from this and Oliver Platt was writing about this over on One Soccer, was the Union won 72 duels and only lost 40. So, like, you know, that, that right there shows you how one side of this game was where it seemed like almost every ball and statistically almost every ball Um, that was up for grabs, the union we're picking up and and we're going harder at. And I think, you know, that's a combo of things. I think this Toronto FC team is obviously tired and you cannot understate how much being able to go back to your own bed and and being in your hometown is, is critical to all of this. I I think, I think that really has shown over the past little stretch, at least Toronto FC just look absolutely tired and the injuries are catching up with them and, and a number of things like that. But, uh, I would God. almost
2: question there, Mitch, if that week off in between where they're going home and coming back, is that better for them? Because of all the, mm-hmm. the travel they have to do, all the, uh, you know, we know how much uh, Josie can, can uh, or how much Josie loves a plane ride back and forth. So, I mean, they they didn't look good after that week of rest. And it's kind of worrying because coming up now, you're going to have these weeks of rest. Are they going to go back home in between now, between now and the playoffs? Now, that that's the question. That's the ultimate question. I mean, it, it's hard to blame them if they do. And I'm not saying it is a bad thing for sure if they do. Um, but just after a performance like that, those are the questions you have to start asking.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I I mean, that was my point. I, I think maybe this time going back home was a mistake. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's certainly up for argument. Uh, you know, I, I can't answer it with any certainty. But proofs in the pudding guys and then also um you know i said this on the private chat but that was the most beautiful uh super mega ultra press i think i've ever seen consistently over 90 minutes in an mls game like that was just superb um philly were just just insanely superb that night um and and it, and it's against you know despite the the, the amount of starters that we were missing we're still no slouches um and and I am gonna I'm gonna well, rally that, against I, 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 I think don't
2: Sad I, Jeff, look look at the lineup Vanny put out did yeah. you were, did you agree with that saying eleven like, you know I didn't they, You
1: know I didn't so okay. let's
2: talk about it a little bit you say mm-hmm. like Philly we had a really really good press what was the biggest problem for TFC there
1: uh, midfield.
2: It was, for me. Think. It was for me. It was the up play, and it was the fact that Alejandro yeah, Pozuelo was. was you were you were relying on pause to do that. And what I that's found fine. really frustrating is the Erickson gallardo kind of banter because this guy got put in another suicide mission. Um, he's he's first of all he's a right footer and he's a dominant right winger like that. That's that's his that's his position. That's his mo. You're mm-hmm. you're gonna ask him to play on the left left wing. First of all, you're putting him at disadvantage. Secondly you're putting him there and asking him to, to just run and with nothing else in front of him, no other option in front of him, nothing to, you know, play off of you're, you're using pause to play off of, but pause can't hold the ball up. So then in a sense, you're asking Erickson Gallardo, who's five foot four to hold the ball up. He was also, I, Vanny also, I guess at times he saw that when Toronto City were in possession, very rare it was. He asked Erickson to kind of shift over to right forward there and they kind of played into a four, four, two at times. But it was so few and so far in between because of perhaps that press that you're asking Erickson Gallardo to go from one diagonal of, of the field to the other. And, you know, two goals later, we saw Erickson Gallardo being subbed off and he's obviously the biggest, you know, scapegoat for all of this. But uh, that that's top, man. Like you, you put him in a really bad spot there.
1: It's the Akache special. I mean, how how many more? <laughs> uh, similarities we're going to be able to draw from this game to that Houston debacle, right? It, that, that Houston debacle was very much Agar Keche and TFC3, right? So, you know, this one was, was, uh, was Erickson Gallardo leading a, a Franken team, a Franken side, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, how many more excuses are we going to make for this guy, right? You know, my patience is, is, is near to done. Um, you know when is it ever going to be ideal and in 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 such case that it is ideal and we trot him out there and he still underperforms are we going to talk about lack of chemistry and 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 et cetera? like at what point does he have to be responsible for being a professional footballer and occasionally
2: you're I, I not agree to with pre-
3: you
1: yeah. I will
2: admit to that as soon as we get to see him with a legitimate shot in a four four two, where he's kind of that second striker and he's kind of playing that right forward where he doesn't have to track back as far as much if we get to see Ericsson Gardo in that sort of extent, I'll agree with you, because I think he's very dangerous in that sort of position. It's what Pablo Piatti was playing the other day when TSC played 4-4-2. That exact same position where you're playing off Io I think Gallardo would excel if he's just trying to get him behind, because he has he has pace, we know that, and I think he has that directness. It's just I think he's just being asked to do a little bit too much and just refine the player, refine the player.
1: I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Richie Larea was also having a kid when he was like on trial with TFC. Uh, there are plenty of people that don't speak the language. So the excuses for as to why Erickson Gallardo hasn't integrated with the squad yet, they don't really hold a lot of water to me because we've seen other players meet the same challenges and, uh, you know, find their place. So, so again, my question is how, how much longer are we going to make excuses for this guy? Um,
0: well, let, let's let's get Kristen on and yeah, hear her yeah, thoughts. Exactly, the Philadelphia exactly. <laughs> game because I feel like we could go on this all day. Um, one one thing I did want to touch on here um, while we get her on, and, and I think you guys did sort of mention this, but when when we're talking about that Philadelphia Union press, you you look at the fact that how toothless Toronto FC were offensively that allows them to press harder because wh- why. The Toronto C showed no reason why they should be worried about anything Pozuelo, Endo, or Gallardo were doing up top. So all of a sudden, when there's no threat, you know, you can push a little bit more forward and and uh, worry about your defensive duties a little bit less. And I think that uh, I think that helped them out. But we're now joined by Kristen Knowles of the Vocal Minority Podcast. How are you doing, Kristen?
3: I'm good. How are you guys? I know, other other than Jeff, absolutely hates Erickson Gallardo. But, but <laughs> how how are the two of you? You guys okay? Uh, We're I'm hanging
2: in, go in go there. Go. We're hanging in there, Kristen. Mm-hmm. It's good to have you on, though.
3: Yeah, it's really. good to be here. So I'm good back, to have you on. Back it's my old my old stomping ground. So
1: exactly, exactly. Let's let's qualify Kristen for a second. Uh, so I need
3: qualifications. So, oh shit.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, somebody <laughs> some some people might not know that she actually predates Michael and I at WTR. I wonder. Me <laughs> too. Me too. Was there? Was there, No, there was no carryover for your time at WTR with with Kristen's time at WTR.
3: I no. think. Mitchell were either Duncan or I still there when you started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When When
3: you first started, we were. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and Duncan of course is Duncan Fletcher of the vocal minority who, who happens to be the founder of, of waking the red and and responsible for why everybody changed the name to walking the red, because (laughs) it's, it's a bit difficult for those not in the know, as they say, anyway, let's get on with it. That was my qualification spiel. And, uh, Obviously, Kristen, we want to know your thoughts on, on the
3: 5-0. Other than the fact that it was a nightmare, 11 years to the day of the infamous 5-0 loss to the energy drinks, um, the <laughs> first chance that Toronto ever had to make it into the playoffs, and they totally, totally uh, blew that up. Uh, this this had I just thought it was ironic that it happened on the same date. And to have a team shoot themselves in the foot so hard is uh, it's distressing. And a lot of it, I think, uh, has to go on Vanny's shoulders for this one. Mm. Um, Michael, you sort of, you touched on that um, in terms of how he set this team up. And he honestly, he set them up to fail uh, in terms of the lineup, but also in terms of tactics. So we keep talking about that press and that is the way to beat TFC. Mm-hmm. And the fact that more teams don't do it always surprises me. I'm like, why are you not just forcing the press on them? Because they, rarely can respond to it and they rarely try to absorb it because they always think they can counterattack and come in behind the lines and when you have piatti missing which is huge can't underscore what a huge loss that is when you've got no speed uh in your center defenders and you keep asking them to go forward why are you asking them to go forward why what is wrong with you? Um, and when you have a such a, when you have an anemic attack, like there's nobody you have, like I time and time again, I've watched this game. I watched it again this morning. Why? Because oh, I, I had to, re- well, because I missed most of it on Saturday because I was on a family call um, with my brother in Australia for like two hours, so I missed most of the match. Um, but watching the number of times someone uh, like Gallardo would try to get forward, or later on even Mullins, and just be like, "Any? Oh, there's no one behind. Oh, okay, there's no one behind me. Like Nick DeLeon is the only one charging forward, mm-hmm. surrounded by seven Philadelphia Union players because no one's joining the attack. Um, and then, but even in the first half, the thing—talk about the press—the space in between the lines the TFC left. Like, why are you giving why are you not closing your lines? What is wrong with like I just don't mm-hmm. understand? The mm-hmm. whole thing just frustrated me watching the match from a tactical standpoint, let alone from a player execution. Um, <laughs> I agree with Michael about Gallardo. I I don't I don't see how you can give up on a player that has had what two he said two starts this season, um, one was so long ago, I everyone had forgotten about it. He's barely had a chance to play. And I feel for the guy, they apparently fought for this player to be signed and then they give him no time. Like he and Liam Frazier should be best friends by now in terms of the amount of time and and attention that they're being given by the coaching staff uh, to gel with the team, to have an opportunity to play. So I think this match, mostly, honestly, I, I lay on Greg Vanny's shoulders. Now, yeah, the players did not execute whatever it was they were supposed to be executing, but you can't set a team up like that when you're missing that many starters, Um, when you're playing in Philadelphia's home turf, where they haven't lost this season, they've won six matches. um, It's, it's your best competitor. You know, this is the team that you are looking to rise up and fight for uh, a place uh, at the top of the league. And you know, TFC normally will at least try to rise up to their opponents as much as they play down to their opponents. In this case, I don't know what they were. I, I can't even tell what they were thinking. I can't tell if they, I, I know they weren't like, oh, we got this in the bag because obviously Jim Curtin's team has been excellent over three seasons. Um, but you have this malaise on the pitch where it was just a lot of running around, lack of effort when they were trying to do something. I don't know. It was a very frustrating match. For no
1: doubt. Yeah. So
3: many reasons.
1: Yeah, That's I, I have
3: there.
1: I have a follow up um, <laughs> uh, because uh, Matt Doyle at the MLS Mothership, he was he uh, he's pretty brutal in his knee jerk uh, ass- uh, analysis of the match, and he said that it may be time. And I can't believe I'm saying this live, but he said it may be time to me- to bench Michael Bradley because he's he's just too slow. I think the sample size coming back from injury is uh, a bit small. But you know it can't be. You know, you asked me about twenty minutes ago what I what I thought the chief problem was, and for me it was the midfield. How we were just getting absolutely torched in the midfield, uh, and that there was no pace there, and how much we missed Oso for for lack of a better word, and we missed Oso in, in Michael Bradley's position. So I wonder what the panel thinks about about Matt Doyle's spicy, spicy, spicy cake.
3: Kristen, you
2: played well, off at that one. I'll follow up.
3: As long as Michael Bradley thinks he is healthy, he will not get benched, regardless of his performance levels. It's just it's the way of TFC, and it's it's one of the it's an issue with TFC, um, and has been since he joined the team, where they search to fit him into tactical formations that didn't work. They 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 put players around him in whatever they were trying to do. So the the team is very Michael Bradley focused. There's there is no other focus on this team as long as he is with them and is considered to be a starter. And that's just the way it is. Um, I would love to see him sit. Now I would love to see Liam Frazier take his place. I would love to see Liam Frazier have started last mm-hmm. night instead of instead of Endo um, or instead of Delgado. Mm-hmm. But I actually think I actually think without yeah. Endo, we would have had. Just you would have had such a different look on the on the on the wings. You would have had better defensive coverage. um It offers so much. uh But yeah, Michael Bradley won't. It's not even a question. There's no point in bringing it up because it won't happen. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So, did anybody notice Subasa Endo in that game? Because I I went like half the game with it for like forgetting he was even <laughs> on the pitch because he did close to nothing. Um, I thought that was really frustrating, and I thought the way that he was played and as well, that was just not good. Um, In terms of the Michael Bradley thing, uh, he is still Toronto FC's best midfielder for me. Um, That's not to say that won't change down the line. I just don't think we're there yet. Um, I still think Michael Bradley, as Chris and said, he, he, Michael Bradley's close to the first name on like on Greg Vanny's team sheet, if not the first name. He built around Michael Bradley. Um, that performance that we saw yesterday, or not yesterday, but Saturday night against Philly, it wasn't great from Bradley, but it wasn't great from many of them. Like Marky Delgado was abysmal. Aura mm-hmm. was was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, like y- yes, we could Michael Bradley's obviously the the one we point to because he's the new kind of injection into that lineup because he came off that injury but that wasn't michael bradley's fault that performance at all we always we know how good michael bradley can be on both sides of the ball and how important he is of a voice to this team so i just think as a personality and you know even as his ability to play i still think he, he is the best midfielder on this team um that being said it's a question for Greg Vaney has to ask himself moving down the line is what do you do in that central midfield? Because you do have Bradley back in the mix. Hopefully Ozo's going to be back in the mix. And then you do have Marky Delgado there before Bradley or Vaney was playing two of those three. Mm -hmm. How are you going to sort of incorporate all three of those guys? Because all three of those guys are starters in this league for sure. Um, uh, I'll leave that to you guys. I don't know how you guys, I think Jeff, you touched on you, you, you'd go back to Bradley or sorry, Delgado and Ozo, right?
1: No, I didn't I didn't say that outright. Out I just I thought Matt's take was interesting. Uh, oh, okay. and and I thought, you know, the suge- again, the suggestion of benching Bradley and him not playing ninety minutes is so alien to us. And it, it to me it's it's worth discussing, you know, if we have another showing where, where he starts and the midfield is just not working. You know who's gonna sub him off for for maybe Fraser to play the rest of the game or or or, or a different look. It just seems that you know Greg Vanny's more more willing to sacrifice centre backs for no reason than to than to tinker with his midfield. Um and, and It may not be the answer, but it doesn't even seem to be an option. And I, I just think that maybe right. my, my issue is that.
2: That being well, said, we're talking about Bradley here, but Fraser had. A pretty bad game himself. oh yeah no no exactly I think he, he, yeah. I think he gave the ball twice the ball away twice on two philadelphia union goals leading directly mm, to them mm. so like mm. again it's just that michael bradley spotlight i think it's just gonna be shown on this team if the team's not doing well um i think vice versa if the team is doing well he does do, get a lot of the credit too so it's just the type of player that he is and how important he is to this team moving forward i think tfc are gonna live and die on that michael bradley hill uh, especially going into this season, it becomes a question: Okay, what do you do after that? And it's also a really good thing that we're talking about this because this was always the biggest question that we had, as you know, fans and you know, people who supported this team is what is TFC going to do after Michael Bradley, after Josie Altidore?
1: Yeah, and I think Josie was a bigger one for me, and and that question.
2: Yeah, exactly, and that this is that's I think Mitch, you kind of wrote an article about this. Is that's how big this year is uh, for Toronto FC because they've taken so many steps behind the scenes to um, just get past that hump, you know, that seba Reiko Bradley, Josie hump, and kind of get over it. Um, yeah, I'll pass it on to you guys.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I th- I think it is. You know, it, it's kind of difficult again to judge one central midfielder be that Frazier or Bradley just in a game where so much went wrong systemically with Toronto FC and they just got overrun from the start. So, you know, if, again, I think it is a bit of a knee jerk reaction to just blame this one on Bradley, especially considering it's his first start back from injury too. Uh, but Kristen, I did want to talk a little bit about Liam Frazier because I am also a big admirer of, of what he's done. And, and anyone who listens to that, sh- this show knows that, um, what, what is it about Frazier that, that, you know, you like so much and think he is in line for, for more minutes?
3: I think uh, one of the things I really like about it is he's a very tidy player. Like he's, he's a very clean passer. He's got a really nice vision on the pitch. Um, and I, I find he doesn't tend to make a pass unless he thinks it's going somewhere important and he's not afraid to get stuck in. He's got some nice grit to him and I think that he has, you know, he's at some pace, he's not the fastest, but the thing that frustrates me is that, you know, people look at matches like this. Yes, he made a couple of bad mistakes, um, but he also was the only player back on the fifth goal. Where is your entire defense? Why is Liam Fraser <laughs> racing Santos for the net and trying to stop him from scoring? Where is everybody else? Mm-hmm. They're half a pitch behind him. Um, no, I think, you know, we, we, I talk about a lot about what he did last year during the Gold Cup when Bradley was injured and away. And I think a lot of people tend to ignore that period in time. And that was, you know, that was some of Liam Fraser's best play. But again, for a player, they keep saying, oh, yeah, we have big hopes for him. We, we, we really like, we love him. And then they don't play him. And you have to be frustrated as a young player, especially in a crazy year like this, where you keep getting told that this is your time and then your time doesn't happen. And
0: mm-hmm. yes, you
3: have to make the most of your chances, um, but I think there's a lot of unwillingness to give Liam Fraser any chance at all. And in the when he first came on the pitch during the match on Saturday, he did some really nice things. There was there was actually finally a little bit of flow through the midfield. He was linking up well with Bradley. He was linking up well with some of the forward players and there was a little bit of cohesion before it all completely fell apart again, but there was this little, there was this chunk of time where it was like, Oh, okay. We can breathe. There's like oh. some nice movement. This is what we want to see. And it also shows that Bradley and Frazier can play together. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that he has uh there's, there's an upswing to his game. Uh, there's definite potential for his growth. And yeah, I really just like the cleanness with which he plays. He is not a flashy player. He's not supposed to be. He mm-hmm. is a tidy, tidy player. And, um, has gotten, you know, worked on getting his temper under control. So when I say he's gritty, he's gritty in the right way. He's less uh, likely to get himself into useless trouble as maybe he did last year or the year before.
0: Hmm. I still love when he came out of the pitch against the U.S. men's national team and instantly just took out Weston McKinney. And it was <laughs> like... Was
3: fantastic. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, was, was It
0: was like, here we go. I, I think with Liam as well, the, the, the one thing is, you know, that, that almost makes him maybe a little extra pressure is he's so acutely aware of how important this time is during his career. And he talks about it a lot that yeah. he knows he needs to be getting minutes right now. So when he's not, you can tell it's, it's even weighing on him a little more than, you know, we've seen some guys in Toronto, obviously who are about Liam's age in the past, who maybe haven't been as concerned about their playing time or their lack of playing time. Yeah. Um, but Liam is one of those guys who I think, you know, you'll, you'll lose him pretty quickly if, if he doesn't start getting minutes. I agree. For
2: sure. For sure. And I, I think you, you, you kind of painted Liam Frazier's really nice of there. He's clean, but he's gritty. And that's what I also love about Liam is, and they needed that when he came on, they needed him and Justin Morrow. They needed someone who could keep the ball and, you know, retain possession. That's what Liam yeah. does so well for me. Um, that being said, we're talking about Liam Frazier here, but there's also two other young kids, younger kids, who came on and made their debut. And I thought they looked pretty well, pretty good as well. I'm not sure what you, you read my thought.
1: mind, Michael. I was just about to <laughs> the back to that. So hey, hey, we we're <laughs> working together way too long now.
2: Jeff. <laughs> Kristen, what'd uh, you think ahead. of, uh, yeah. Jaquil,
1: Jaquil, Jaquil Marshall ready. And, uh, Ralph, uh, Ralph Wiggum.
3: <laughs> Ralph, no, <Rizzo. laughs> um, no, you know what it was and these are the games in which you should be subbing these players on. Like we talk about where are the young players and why aren't they playing? Um, if there's a blowout, Get your kids on, get them some minutes, get them some experience against one of the best teams in the league um, and give them this opportunity. And in front of one of the few crowds they're going to play in front of this year as well, you know, give them an opportunity to play in front of fans. It's a different environment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I like, I like them both for different, you know, for different reasons. Obviously they're excited, fresh legs. Um, But again, they both looked really focused, which I thought was great. Neither of them seemed distracted by, the sort of the bigness of the experience, um, and again, a lot of a lot of good movement looking for the ball. A few missteps down the wing, kind of like, oh, I've overshot this. I haven't really thought about who's sending this pass to me. Um, maybe a little too eager in some things, but for the short amount of time that both of them played, I was really I was really impressed, and uh, I think that there's a there's a good window for them to start easing their way into, not necessarily first team time, but you know, more sub time, you know, we'll actually see their names on the bench and not just be like, Oh, look a bench placeholder. They'll mm-hmm. actually get some time or at least that's my expectation. Uh, now Julian Dunn's name should be there as well, but that's a whole other long discussion. with Julian <laughs> Dunn.
1: Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, just, just to get this question in, because I know that uh, you had the honor of presenting the Voyagers cup. So, <laughs> so I know that, that you are um, very into uh, for lack of a better word the supporter shield at this point would you rather have the shield or a good decent playoff run maybe even a trip to the final
3: see that's so that's i was thinking about this question all morning um and i don't like to equate the two of them because they really are two different things given the way that mls is set up um hmm. supporter shield in a in a in a big year is a big thing but the supporter shield isn't the way North American sports uh, is, it works, it works on a playoff system, right? And best in the league is a point of pride, and it does mean something in terms of playoff seating. And the year we won the treble was wonderful. And, you know, I have that picture of me with the shield, and it's one of my favorite pictures. And I was very, very happy, and I didn't want to give the shield back. Um, mm-hmm. But
0: shouldn't have, clearly. Yeah, I know, yeah.
3: Right? Obviously, I just should have <laughs> run away with it down the concourse. Um, but the. The idea that would I rather have the Shield or MLS Cup? I'd rather have MLS Cup because that's how this league is built. But would I rather have MLS Cup or CCL Championship? Mm-hmm. I'd rather have the CCL Championship.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, with, with
3: because you. that hasn't happened yet, and I, it wanted to happen so much. Um, <laughs> so the thing with the Shield, I love the Shield, and I the the fight for the the Shield this year both on and off the pitch is, it ha- is an important thing. And, and it's it's something that I'm always happy that the players strive for mm-hmm. because they do have that mentality that we are best in the league. And I think that's a fantastic mentality that the players retain, even though they play in a league that doesn't value that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting perspective. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin brought up, there's a lot of comments today, but a lot of them are essays and I, I'm not going to read them uh, because they're not very succinct, but but Kevin brought <laughs> up, uh, if you had to trade a midfielder for a centre-back, who would you trade? And then also we need more depth at centre-back. Uh, so uh, I, I'll start, um, is Ericsson Gallardo a midfielder? Because we can make him one for the sake of the <laughs>
3: trade. No, we can play him more often and play him on the right where he belongs.
1: Kristen, when when we let when we said goodbye to Agar Akeche, did you have the same sentiment? Or were you were you like he's done?
3: Agar Akeche played a lot more, for one thing. Mm-hmm. A lot more. Um, and I don't think an Akeche is not the same quality of player. Now, again, I also felt bad for Agar Akeche because I think he got he got. You know, he got torched by being thrown in with a bunch of kids against the Houston team. That's the match everyone's always going to remember, mm-hmm. and again, for mm-hmm. Julian Dunn. Um, But these are – it's its tough. Not every player comes from a different league and a different part of the world and immediately transitions in the way um, some players do. And, yeah, I called him – you know, we we had our nickname for catch a and I feel that he has – found a better, you know, a better path for himself going back home. But he was never as bad as he looked, I don't think. But he also got more of an opportunity than Gallardo has ever been given, um, mm-hmm. especially this season. Uh, Gallardo played a bit more last year, and so I don't even have—I don't think anyone can say they have an actual complete picture of who Erickson Gallardo is as a player. And oh, that's, well, that's the,
1: the preface. Absolutely, we don't know what that's, we're talking. That's about. That's the
3: fault of the team. That's the fault of the front office. That's the mm-hmm. fault of Ali Curtis, Vanny, everybody. Like this is this is not on Gallardo, the player. I'd say maybe like 25% of this is on him. Everything else falls on management in terms of his minutes, um, how they presented him to the media, you know, like everything. And there's a lot of that that goes around it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's far away from home. There's a lot of stuff. This year is hard to, this year it's hard to be really, really mean to players. I can do it, but it's, it's Mm -hmm. harder to do it Mm -hmm. just because Mm -hmm. it's such a mess of a year. um, And you don't know what's going through their heads.
0: Charlie yeah. says, uh, hashtag justice for a which is unsurprising. Yeah, yeah. considering
1: he, consider he's but, the only person that owns an agra TFC jersey, nice. aside from agra Um, no, you
3: know what? I'll give him that. No, if we're going to trade a midfielder, let's uh, let's let's trade Marky Delgado. Wow, right. oh, wow, because that
1: is a spicy take. That's
2: he just not signed mean. a
3: long term deal,
1: he's
2: 25. I know, yeah.
3: but I'm talking about in terms of value. Um, if Liam you're gonna, if, you, if we're if we're looking, Liam Fraser is a possibility too. But Liam Frazier is mm-hmm. harder to to do because he doesn't get the same amount of time, and he is still considered international because of his age. He's not one of the younger mm-hmm. Canadian came through and academy players. Um, so depending on what you're looking at and what team you're looking at in MLS, if you're looking at MLS. Mm-hmm. How is that going to function? Out? Now, sure, I'm sure either Vancouver or Montreal could use his 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 skills, but it's 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 more difficult. So I'm I'm looking at trading away value. Not that I don't think Liam Frazier is valuable, but mm-hmm. in terms of MLS, Marky Delgado is more valuable.
1: Damn, I would, I would, I mean, Kevin says who has more value, Fraser or Delgado. I would say Delgado by a Hands country down. walk. Hands by down. a country it's walk, not even I mean close. It's not even close. This guy, I would I would riot if we lost Delgado because yeah. I think he's one of the most that's
3: important. your line, really. Delgado yeah, no. is your line.
1: I love wow. my little flipper, man. I love wow. my middle flipper. That he's guy, so important to that he's team. So 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 yeah. important to that team. He does probably
3: isn't. This isn't an Delgado discussion. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I
1: just I, I think you're right. I mean, he, he has massive value. But he'll in
3: riot. Training. Interesting. Massive. I would not
1: he's probably our biggest he's probably our biggest trading chip if we're being honest, I mean, what team wouldn't want him? Richie. Bit. Yeah, but Richie, but Richie's now like a, Richie's now like a marquee player. I mean, if we're talking about the gam, tam, you know, like, thank you, ma'am, the wham, bam, gam, thank you, ma'am trades, then it's, it's Delgado with, with a bullet. But uh, well, if you're not
2: putting Richie in there, I'm not putting Delgado in there because I think he's that important to this Toronto off team. And absolutely. you see the way Greg, Greg Vanny uses him. Um, yeah, but he, but
1: he doesn't have the fanfare, so he wouldn't attract the same kind of uh, blockbuster trade, right? Like, MLS. After this a,
3: season, I disagree I, with that. No, yeah, I'm not talking still, about Richie. I'm talking about Marky.
1: Yeah. I still think you no, can get No, we're
3: talking about Richie, yeah.
1: Richie no, R- would get a breaking news headline on the MLS Mother Chat, right? <laughs> Marky would get mentioned somewhere in the in the role. No,
2: like, get I, out of here. I, that's, this, a, that's a Marky. Okay, Marky is respected <laughs> in this case, I think. Just maybe I, not in the national. I love him.
1: I absolutely love him, but but I'm just saying I don't think he would rate the same kind of uh, 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 fanfare that a Richie trade would. In it, all things, no, being for it. sure, for sure. I um, don't think that
0: that's a fair.
2: Statement.
0: Well, we've we've kind of gone well off the rails here. <laughs> we should probably let Kristen go <laughs> since we have uh, well, no, a no, no, no. injury update with Michael. Well, I just um, I, either go I'm gonna. Enough. I go mean, ahead, go
1: I you know one of the reasons that I was so excited to bring Kristen on is because of what she does with the vocal minority podcast. Hmm. And uh, I just, I just wanted to give it a shout out because I think it's so important to TFC land, what they do. Um, And uh, I think it occupies a really, really, really interesting spot in the TFC hierarchy. And I just wanted to get Kristen's thoughts on, uh, you know, how did it start? What keeps you motivated all these years? And, and, and are you, you know, where do you think it lives in, in the overall TFC uh, uh, Mosaic.
3: Well, funnily enough, it started because of uh, Marky Tom- Marty Thompson from uh, mm-hmm. from KMPL. um he, he he actually approached us because we all re- we were all writing for Waking the Red or the Yorkies, which was Tony and Mark's all blo- old blog. Um, I had my old blog. We'd all been friends for a year or so. Started hanging out together in the stands, and we bantered a lot in blog form and on Twitter. Anyways, Marty approached us, me, and said you guys ever thought of doing a podcast? We're like, not really, but sure. Why not? Like, what, what, what do you want to know? And he was working, he was working for some sporting thing that fell through. Um, So we had done a test podcast ourselves and listened back to him. We're like, Oh, that wasn't terrible. We're fine. You know, we have good, we we, we enjoyed chatting with each other and bantering with each other. It's like hanging out with us in the stands. Right. So Mm -hmm. we were like, All right, well, let's talk about this some more. You know, well, over a few months, we sort of like bashed it around and threw ideas back and forth and thought, why the hell not? Let's just do it. Let's just do it. So when the season started, the 2014 season started, that's when we debuted in March. Um, We started a weekly podcast and haven't looked back since. Uh, And we, you know, we morphed it over into its own site and we, Mm -hmm. you know, we obviously Duncan and I left waking the red and the Yorkies closed their blog and we just focused on vocal minority, but it's, uh, you know, we're the only fan podcast, which I think is really important. Not that Mm -hmm. you guys aren't fans, but Mm -hmm. you have a little more, you have a little more legitimacy behind you. You've got the might of SB nation Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you have access to the team in a way that we don't. So Mm -hmm. we're, we're, you know, we're a fan podcast, but we've been, you know, six and a half years in, we're still here. And uh, thank you. We've, we've had, you know, we've had a lot of fun with it and we have the occasional, you know, high profile guest. Uh, One of these days we'll get Bill Manning back on. And we, we, I think we're just there for what we started out to be, which was an opportunity for things that you can't say on most other podcasts. Wow. Um, you know, we are able to level a lot more criticism. We're able to be absolute idiots, um, which which is, you know, malarkey is is uh, not just the name of one of our Twitter handles. It's uh, it's what we do. You know, we, like I said, it's like hanging out with us in the stands. If you ever watch a football match with us, you um, either in the stands or at a pub or whatever, this is what we're like. We Mm -hmm. go on stupid tangents. We make fun of things. We analyze the game. We go off into random songs. Like this is literally a stream of consciousness thing that I try very hard every week to control, which Mm -hmm. obviously goes terribly awry if you listen to us, um, which is apparently part of our charm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it gives us an opportunity. You know, I, I'm the only, I'm one of the few women who, who does this sort of thing, you know, who hosts a, a soccer podcast, uh, slightly more main, you know, for a bigger team, for mm-hmm. a larger market. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not the focus of it, but it's, you know, it's a fact. Mm-hmm. So that gives something, you know, it's a little bit more of, a, of an in for, you know, female fans if they want. But also, you know, we talk about not just TFC. We talk about Canadian soccer. We talk about the Campia. We talk about world issues and we give ourselves a really wide canvas. And I think that's why we're still around because there are greater issues uh, at large. And there are different soccer stories that we still want to talk about and we still want to tell. And we want to tell it from, from the fan perspective. We don't, you know, we like our unsanitized world Mm -hmm. and well, yes, we sometimes would like better access to, to, to information or to people, um, we still occasionally get, you know, someone like Jeff Paulus coming on our show. That was amazing.
1: That was so good.
3: And that was that was one of our favorite shows, if not our favorite show. Not just because he was such a generous guest, but because we had an opportunity to talk about things um, about a league that we really love uh, with a with a coach that we really respect. Um, and just have like a really open conversation. And that's what we always strive to do when we have guests on. You know, and we had Bill Manning on, we didn't let up on him. We mm-hmm. went after him pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and it was great and it was fun and he enjoyed it. And he, he, you know, he's he wants to come back. He asked me, When am I coming back on? So, you know what I mean? I like know. we we don't we don't give any uh we don't put on airs, I guess. I don't know. We're just we're we're having fun with it. I think it's important because people have a chance to listen to a fan run podcast. And mm-hmm. you know, you can share your outrageous ideas with us. Um, sometimes we'll talk about them, sometimes we won't. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, we'll keep going as long as I can continue to wrangle the other three into you know, talking about this nonsense every week, so.
1: Long nice. may it continue.
3: Don't ever, don't ever stop, yeah.
1: Yeah, long yeah. may it continue. I, I, I absolutely love it, I'm such a fan. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's move on then.
0: Yeah, really, really appreciate you coming on, Kristen. I, I no. obviously have to give a shout out to the the jersey because it is absolutely fantastic. Kansas hey. City Wiz, I mean, one of the best kits I think in in MLS. Jeff might debate me on that, but. Um- well, I mean, the Colorado
1: Caribous were NASL, so it's different. Of course, I had
3: to wear this for the old school MLS people just because mm-hmm. it is it is one of the favorite kits that we ever had made. So shout yeah. out to Mark for, for having these done. Mine has Johnson on the back, by the way, for, for Mo Johnson's time at the Wiz.
1: Terrific, nice. terrific. Nice. My Bruges does not have Victor Vasquez on because he wasn't playing for this year, but I almost, <laughs> I almost, I almost wish I could have gotten that done. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep.
3: Yeah. No, yeah, this was a lot you. of fun. Thanks yeah. so much for having me on. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much
0: for coming. No worries. Thank you, really you really, I really appreciate it. Yeah, just quickly, before we wrap up here, Michael, um, let's get some injury updates. Where, where are we at here with Toronto with Because. I, I almost dread vlogging on to Twitter on game days. You're going to run out of characters soon, man. The list keeps I gotta getting get longer creative. and longer. I got to get creative and shortening those <laughs> Um
2: Hold on. Let me open this book that we got here. Toronto's injury report. Um, okay. So we'll start with Ozo. Ozo. Um, Greg Banning mentioned that he was going to be hopeful that Ozo would be ready for midweek. Um, he said maybe more likely towards the end of the week. I'm not sure if that becomes more urgent after what we saw uh, against Philadelphia. So maybe we do see him midweek against the New York City FC, which is, I guess, tomorrow. I guess now I'm looking at it tomorrow against New York City FC. Mm -hmm. Um, Next we'll go Chris Mavingas. Chris Mavingas falls under that same boat, although I still ear on the side of uh, you will see him more towards the weekend against Inter-Miami as opposed to against New York City FC here midweek um alex bono is also getting closer he i think he took his splint off greg vanney told us in one of the media scrums i think leading up to the match um so i think he's about a couple practices away from from you know getting into a game or not maybe not getting into a game but you know being available um io's gonna be ready for for the next game because he was he was close to being ready for for this game so i'd expect io akinola to be ready for for new york city fc um who else got here? Zavs. I think Eric Zavaleta should be ready. I saw him training. So um, I think he was training before um, last game, too. So I think he should ready ready. Let me take a breath here and uh, <laughs> see what else we got. We got, uh, I think the only one left. Oh, no. We got Pablo Piatti. That's the biggest concern, right? Uh, is Pablo Piatti because we don't know where he is right now.
1: Um, like where he is? Greg we Vandy don't said, know where he where he is? No, sorry. We okay. we know
2: his location. Okay. We just don't know where his injury was.
1: <laughs> that Greg is a Vandy problem, said, yeah. <laughs> the home situation. They left him his... in, the, uh,
2: <laughs> in the hotel somewhere. I think it was a calf strain, I think it was, for Piatti. Um, so they're kind of determining the severity of that. But to be honest, just reading Greg Vanny's face, he didn't look the most optimistic. So I'm not sure how short, short, short term it is, but it doesn't mean he's like Piati's out or anything like that. We'll get an update on Piatti later today. So uh, we'll see about that. Um, and in terms of Josie, Josie's still a few weeks away, I heard. Um, I think KJ might've mentioned that on the broadcast. So I don't know if Josie will be ready for the first game of the MLS Cup playoffs. Um, that's another question we got to ask, start asking ourselves as time starts to wind down, but we still got the home stretch here in front of us. A couple more games left.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on yep. that happy note, I think uh, we've gone a bit over time here. <laughs> oh, so there's, let's, no, let's... there's no
1: room for Jeff's rant this week because you know it was going to be about the supporter Shield. But you
0: know, yeah, I, it... I mean, I think we've had some Jeff's rants during the course of this show, but we'll try and make more time for it uh, for it next week as a specific segment. But
1: not a problem. Hold on, there's something. Um, there.
0: yeah. yeah. Obviously, as you mentioned, just a couple of weeks left um, in this MLS season, so some absolutely huge games coming up for Toronto FC, and obviously a huge shows for us as well. We have some more exciting stuff coming for you guys as we move towards the, the playoffs here that we can't wait to share with you guys. Lively chat today. I was loving that. Uh, Yeah, me too. Um, It's, it's great to have uh, obviously Kristen on and great to have all of your interaction in the, in the, um, comments as well there were some wild things going on that i was laughing at during the course of the show we can't always get to them but uh we always we always get to a couple of them over the course of the show yeah mike mike well. had,
1: a, had a great take but it's four hundred thousand words long so, you know next time maybe <laughs> it needs to be distilled to uh to its barest of essentials
0: exactly yeah we've seen my ability to read statements on this podcast before it won't be happening again so <laughs> yeah uh, we'll we'll but, but, well, we to be fair, appreciate. that was the
1: worst font in the world. That supported, yeah. CSD, Oh, man. yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, it was, you know, it was, was it serif? Was it sans serif? Was it, was it sans I, sans I don't even know. Yeah, yeah
0: I'm taking one more, Rattler. one more, one more shot of the supporter shield foundation and the other font. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, thanks all of you for listening. Uh, until next Tuesday, see you guys. <laughs>